Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Life After Trek. I'm your host, Chris, our Captain Pike from Subspace Communique. I'm the chief editor of Subspace Comms, and this is episode five of Life After Trek. We're thrilled this time to, to feature our very first original series actor. Uh, we got the chance to interview Walter Koenig, uh, at the Austin Comic Con uh, about a week and a half ago. And as you guys can probably tell, my voice is a little lower than normal. I actually caught something, a cold or or whatever you want to call it, at the Comic Con and have been recovering uh, for the last week and a half or so. But Walter was very gracious to take some time out of his busy schedule and let us interview him. Uh, we got a chance to talk about some of his upcoming projects, his time on Star Trek, uh, and even a little bit about his time after uh, Star Trek when it was starting to gain popularity and syndication. We were so thrilled to have Walter, uh, and he was was super kind uh, to us to step aside from his booth, uh, from his his autograph table uh, for a couple minutes. The, the show's a little bit shorter than our normal episode, uh, but it was live on the floor at the Comic-Con, and we take every opportunity we can get to, to interview Star Trek stars. Uh, you know, usually at conventions, their uh, their schedule is super tight, super busy, and there's generally not enough time to do interviews. But like I said, Walter was a champ and, and, and stepped away from his table to talk to us. But uh, we hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, we had a blast uh, interviewing Walter, and we'll have some more information at the end of the show about his upcoming projects. But for now, uh, enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back. We're actually standing here at the Austin Comic Con with none other than, none other than Walter Koenig. Uh, he was actually gracious enough to sit down here with an interview for us, which is fantastic. Walter, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, it's great to have you here. We kind of wanted to go over your current projects. I know that you've had Inalienable. Uh, it's a new movie that you did that's out on DVD now. Uh, starring Richard Hatch and a bunch of other uh, sci-fi stars. Could you give us a little uh, bit of info about Inalienable? Well, it's a story about a, uh, a scientist who uh, has a backstory of the, the loss of his uh, son and wife in, a his, in an accident and he, for which he feels responsible. And he finds himself in a circumstance where he, uh, that guilt that, 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 um, that he carries uh, is, is suddenly become very much a, a, a presence in his mind. He, uh, he becomes infected with a, uh, an alien parasite, which, as it turns out, has some of uh, his human DNA. Right. So he goes through several uh, uh, transitions psych psychologically as to how he feels about this being, you know. First, he has a, a scientific objectivity about it, you know, and just intellectual curiosity. But then uh, it begins to play on him, and he, uh, he feels that um, this is his burden, his albatross to carry, uh, for, you know, his punishment uh, for the death of his family. Ultimately, he bonds with it. I'm, right. I'm, I'm cutting to the chase. He bonds with it. And when it is born, quote unquote, he uh, is determined to, uh, to uh, keep it away from the, the bad guys. You know, who, government who wants to who wants to take it away and experiment on it and the whole third act is a uh, custody hearing um, 
And I think it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty dynamic story. And you actually wrote the story. I wrote the story, yeah. Uh, and I was one of the producers, and I played the bad guy. <laughs> That's uh, always the best role, at least it seems to be. Well, actually, I wanted to play the the hero, but it took us so long to get this movie made mm. that I just determined that uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be credible. <laughs> particularly since there was a romantic interest involved. And um, so Richard Hatch uh, played the part and he was wonderful. He was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a, and we had some terrific actors. Marina Sirtis from Next Generation. Absolutely, was yeah. great. Um, Eric Avari, wonderful actor from Heroes. Uh, we had uh, a, a great number of genre actors who, who did a bang up job. And now it's available uh, at Amazon, through Amazon, and it's available uh, through some of the bigger discount, a bit bigger chain stores, Target and right, right. places like that. And we'll put a link to that in our show notes so everybody can pick that up. Good. We also wanted to talk about your new comic book. Now you did one back in the early 90s. You wrote Raver, correct? Right. And that's actually going to be re-released. Raver is uh, what I'm, what they want to do is to, they want to do two graphic novels. They're going to bundle the first three issues of Raver with a new story, which I've just finished synopsizing. It's really bizarre. I'm going off the deep end on this one. <laughs> um, and at the same time, I'm at the same time I'm writing the four issues of um, Things to Come. I've done the first one, and I'm about to start the second. And they will all be released around uh, May of 2011. Okay, great. Awesome. That's what I was going to ask next. Now that's a four-part series. Yeah. Uh, you wrote. And yes. what uh, what publishing company is that with? Uh, Blue Water. Okay. Great, great. Now, we also obviously wanted to talk about your time during Star Trek. You came on as, in the second season, everyone knows, as Pavel Chekhov. Um, you actually worked with Gene Roddenberry on Lieutenant first, right? Right. Did that lead to your role as Pavel, Pavel no, Chekhov? Okay. Not really. Um, well, it, um, indirectly it did. Uh, I had done a role on another series called um, Mr. Novak, okay. and I played a defecting Russian student in high school. The casting director on that show was also the casting director on The Lieutenant. He was also the casting director in Star Trek. So he, he suggested me for the role. Gene Roddenberry knew me from The Lieutenant. So that was the second vote that oh, I had got. Oh, fantastic. And then I had done a guest lead on an Alfred Hitchcock hour. Mm. And one of the two alternating directors in the second season of Star Trek his name Joe Pevney, and he was the director of the Hitchcock, and he was a big supporter. So when I came in, it was pretty much a fait accompli. They only they only auditioned one other actor. Oh wow! Yeah, and I literally found out that I'd gotten the role before I had left that day. It's unheard of. Nothing is that painless anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, you actually got to visit the set of Star Trek. XI, that's what we call it, Star Trek Eleven, the J.J. Abrams film. Was there any wisdom you imparted to Anton Yelchin for the role of Chekhov? No. He's uh, so far ahead of I, where I was when I started. Okay. I mean, he, had, he he's hit the, the ground running in terms of a career. He already, you know, he's already done two or three films. Uh, that's right, he was in the, the Terminator prequel. And before that, he, he was the, the, the title role in another movie about a high school. He did a wonderful film with Anthony Hopkins, you know, 
Anthony Hopkins, for heaven's sake. <laughs> and he was only about 12 or 14 at the time. Um, so, no, I, I just tell him to, the only thing I said was, uh, you know, do it your way. Uh, you know, there's no right way to do this, you know. There's a thousand actors who could have been at least as successful portraying the role, doing it their way. And that was, I thought, was important for him to do. And, um, and you know, he's extremely bright. I, I guess you've heard that he's extremely bright. Um, very, very personable young man. So I have, I, I have no concern about uh, where he's going to take Chekhov or where he's going to take his career. And you saw, obviously, J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. What were your thoughts on it? I thought it was great. I mean, I, I, the sets were really kind of astonishing. Um, I, uh, I was very impressed. Sitting, I sat there for a couple of hours. I was very impressed. And then, of course, when I saw the film, I was, um, I felt great about it. I felt it was, it was extremely well done. It reflects a different decade, right? A different kind of movie making, and that's the way it should be. You know, you know, you, uh, you have a new frame of reference, and that's the way uh, films should be made. Yeah, and we were huge fans of the movie too. Um, I was going to ask, what was it like, or what experience did you have? in the early 70s, when Star Trek started gaining lots of popularity through syndication um, at conventions, is it a different experience then than it is now when you go to Star Trek conventions? Well, I don't think the, uh, the energy is quite the same as it was in the 70s. Right. Uh, I mean, they did a convention in New York. They thought they'd have 5,000 people and they had 30,000 Oh, wow. Yeah. Fire marshal was there, and the attorney general. <laughs> it was really quite amazing. Um, the fact that we still have people who support the show and support the, the actors is, is extraordinary. You know, this is it's over 40 years. Right. 40 years. Um, I feel very, I feel blessed that there's still some level of acknowledgement and some and some uh, you know appreciation for the work. Um, but certainly, it, it's it's not that kind of uh, extraordinary commitment that I think that there was at that time. Right. And there was also a it was a, an objective that they were rallying around. It was a goal, and that was to bring the show back. Right. So when you have something that everybody can you know marshal their forces around, uh, it makes for a tighter camaraderie among, among the fans and and gives them a lot of purpose and, and uh, all that was you know was terrific during that time you actually worked again with gene roddenberry on the quester tapes yeah and that was a made for tv movie there were plans to to try and push that into a series right Okay, and that's actually, I don't know if anybody out there knows, you've probably read on our website, Roddenberry Productions and Image Entertainment are in the works to get uh, the Quester tapes uh, back on the air, either in a uh, movie form or a series form. Had they talked to you about Quester? Well, not, well, you know, funny, I was, I was at a dinner in which uh, some honors were being presented to Gene Roddenberry. Okay. Posthumously. Right, right. And Rod was there, you know, uh, his son, and the fellow who, uh, who was one of the producers on the Questo tapes. And we were talking, and I didn't know what was going on. I said, oh, you know, I happen to have been in that. And he said, really? And they kind of looked at each other. <laughs> and I, I'm seeing, you know, this is a way we can, you know, 
you know, exploit it a little bit, whatever, uh, that, which, which I'd be very happy, I'd be very happy with. Um, but as I explained to them, it was really a very, very small role that I had. Right. It's more of a pity role because I was broke, <laughs> and uh, Roddenberry had heard that I was broke, so he cast me and gave me two weeks' work. And this was after Star Trek's off the air, and the phone had stopped ringing, you know, and I was trying to figure out what the heck was going to happen with the rest of my life. Right. So, uh, yeah, Robert Foxworth, uh, you know, played the role, the principal role, the one that they actually wanted Leonard for. I don't know if you oh, know wow. that. Oh, wow. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, in fact, there was considerable infighting between Gene and the studio. I think it was Universal. Because Gene was determined to have uh, Leonard play that robot. And it didn't work out. We finally capitulated and, and left the show. Mm. So uh, I thought it was quite well done. It was quite well done. Now, one question we do usually wrap up our interviews with, and it's probably something you've asked, been asked a million times at conventions, but it's kind of our quintessential ending question. What's your favorite episode from Star Trek? Well, I have to actually divide that into two. The okay. one that I liked the most and the one that I was in that I liked the most. Right. Okay. Fantastic. The one that I liked the most was City on the Edge of Forever. Right. Uh, very touching story. You know, really... Really beautifully rendered. Uh, the one that I liked the most that I was in was Spectre of the Gun. Okay. It was just great fun. I think they took a necessity being the mother invention. They took a very um, modest budget for that show and made it into sort of a abstract uh, kind of uh, environment. You know, and uh, made the uh, made the show really work. It had a lot of style. It really worked very well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's The only fantastic. other thing I was going to mention was, uh, since it's so close, today is the... Well, I shouldn't say the date, should I? Not, you know, no, 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 that's totally fine. fine. Okay, November 12th, November 15th, uh, the, the novel that I, that I wrote many years ago, which has been transposed into a radio drama with 50 actors, will be released, uh, will be, uh, begin screening, I mean, begin being heard on Sirius XM. Oh, wow. Awesome. And will also be available as a, like a six-volume CD in the big chain stores. Great. And we'll actually put, a, put a, yeah. an article up about that when it is released. Yeah. Okay. And we really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to talk to us. And I know that our fans are going to absolutely love this gem of an interview. Good. But thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. You. So that's episode five of Life After Trek. We'd like to thank Walter Koenig for joining us on the show at the Austin Comic Con. Walter has a couple upcoming projects that you guys should take note of. Uh, if you're a Sirius or XM listener, you can actually listen to the audio drama of Buck Alice and the actor robot uh, that Walter was talking about there at the end of, of the interview. It's actually already started, started November 17th, the first episode. It's running over a seven-week period. Um, but you can catch the second episode... Uh, this weekend, which will actually be a replay, this weekend being 
Saturday, November 27th, uh, and then every Thursday on XM163 after that. Uh, but also be sure to be on the lookout for Walter's upcoming graphic novels. The new story for Raver, which is actually going to be the original three stories uh, wrapped into a graphic novel coming in the spring, and Things to Come, which is another graphic novel that he's working on uh, with Blue Water uh, Publications. Also be sure to check out Walter's movie Inalienable, uh, which is available uh, from Amazon. You can pick it up there or, like he said, from uh, local retailers that uh, stock DVDs. But uh, thanks again to Walter for for joining us. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you haven't been to the site, uh, you can check us out at subspacecommunicate.com. Also, friend us on Twitter. Uh, that's twitter.com slash subspacecoms, or follow us on Twitter, I should say. And uh, also Facebook, facebook.com slash subspacecoms. Uh, but until then, thank you guys for listening. We have another episode uh, in the can that I need to edit, and we'll get it out to you as soon as possible. This coming weekend, uh, which this episode will come out on a Thursday, starting Friday, November 26th, uh, we're actually going to be at Starbase Indian, Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, it's a fan run uh, convention with Tim Russ, uh, Ethan Phillips, and Manu Interemi, which was actually our first guest on uh, Life After Trek. Uh, we'll be there. We'll be live blogging the event and hopefully getting an interview uh, with someone. Uh, I'm not sure who yet, uh, but hopefully we'll get one with uh, either both Ethan and Tim or Tim or Ethan or whatever we can get. We'll definitely try to get something out there for you guys. But uh, until next time, thank you guys for listening and live long and prosper. Mm-hmm.